Hi, everybody, and welcome to No Country. My name is J. David Osborne. That is Chris Sacknessum. Chris, how are you doing this evening? You know, David, I'm so I'm actually better than good. Uh, and I have a little story to start off with. Um, okay. I got a satellite phone call from someone from the hundred and you know forty first meridian east south of the equator uh satellite sort of phone call you know one of my old old contacts he's he's kind of like a ranger uh walkabout guide um oh he works for a lot of bad people too mm -hmm. um but he you know in in, in new guinea um and I remember a moment with him when the first time he took me off into the, like the serious bush and we were looking up at this tree and this rainforest songbird appeared on a branch. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most beautiful bird you could ever possibly imagine. I mean, this is like a... This is like a god in the form of a bird. And he looked at me and, and said, what do you think that bird is hoping for? Hmm. And this is how New Guinea people are sneaky. Because he, he weaseled into a very common level of, you know, conversational discourse. One of the biggest ideas that there could possibly be in all of human culture we don't think birds hope for anything. Mm. We don't think birds have ideas. You know, we're, we're told that actually the birds and everything non-human is really just a machine, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I, I, for another bird to <laughs> appear on the branch? And he patted me on my thigh and, you know, like, men don't normally do that. And it's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And out in the middle of nowhere, and he said, I'm going to give you one more clue to life. And I thought, well, you're home here, and uh, I, I need to listen to you. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with that. And he said, you know, there's only two ways this situation can go. Either one of us is going to kill each other or we're going to help ourselves. We're going to help ourselves get back home. Hmm. And I think that is the heart of the whole human story right there. Hmm. And it's definitely the heart of this episode sequence that we're working on now of the mysterious double and doppelgangers, twins, shadows, reflections, echoes, because um, it's either going to go well or it's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. that's, sort of, that's every podcast, isn't it? Before I sit down to record with you, I always look forward to it. I know it's going to be fun, but I'm always in the back of my head thinking, I wonder if this is going to go well. And we've done uh, 22 so far that have gone well, so... I have good hopes for that. Before we get into the doppelganger at the top of the show, I would like to repeat my call to action. Folks, thanks so much, first of all, for listening to this show. We really appreciate it. 
All of you are beautiful, smart individuals, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, judging by the feedback that we've gotten, we're, we've got just the right types of people that we want listening to the show. Not that we're elitist or anything. We're, I'm just handing you all a compliment, essentially. So if you wouldn't mind, if you do enjoy this show, would appreciate it if you went to iTunes. There will be a link in the show notes to our iTunes page. And what I would like for you to do is to please leave us a review. It doesn't have to be a perfect five stars. If you don't think the show is a perfect five stars, be honest. It's fine. The reviews help us to get seen. Uh, it helps the algorithm to put us higher up on the list so that we show up quicker when people search for arts podcasts, search for the words no country. So you know, maybe if they're looking for that popular 2007 film, our podcast might show up and they might think, hmm, what's this all about? Other things you can do is to tell people about it. So if you have a Facebook account, a Twitter account, an Instagram account, and you enjoy this episode, please uh, provide a link to your friends and talk the show up. Because at this point, we're just trying to build a bigger and bigger listener base. And it's going up every week. We had a a plateau um, for for several months there, uh, where we had our core audience, and that was doing great. But over the since we started doing the series, the the Genius series, and now this one, it's gone up steadily every week. So we'll continue to do these series, and hopefully, you'll continue to listen. So that is my pitch. Thanks so much. Um, but Chris, what are we going to talk about today? Okay. Well, I think we'll we'll carry on with the idea of. The doppelganger, mysterious double, uh, the hidden schizophrenia um, within Western culture, at least. Um, and I think it's probably within human culture, actually. Um, and we'll get to a really strange uh, place with uh, a discussion about the psychology and science um, of the double in our next episode. But I think we should really look at some great moments of literary and artistic um, doppelganger uh, moments. Uh, places and people that got a little bit strange. Um, in our last episode, we talked about the great Euripides play, The Baki, which I think is the greatest achievement to come out of uh, the, the whole world of Greek drama. Um, but moving forward in time, what a strange idea that actually is. You know, we think about, this is the kind of thing that the New Guinea people would go, moving forward in time is actually something you should pay attention to, mm. you know, mm -hmm. because it's not obvious, <laughs> you know. Right. It seems obvious, uh, but it's not. But... Um, John Donne was a, was a major poet. Uh, he, he's, he's called, you know, one of the metaphysical English poets. Um, and, you know, we have No Man is an Island, you know. Uh, we have some, some great, you know, words of his that have embedded themselves in our culture. But one of the things that I find really interesting is that... Um, he uh, he saw his wife's double on the night of his daughter's stillbirth. Mm -hmm. And it affected him very, very deeply. Um, 
it was a very, very strange, hallucinogenic, but nonetheless well-documented experience. Um, and I, I wonder what you, you know, you're have uh, an impending parenthood situation mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. coming upon you. And I'm wondering if you're not a little bit more vulnerable to the psychic strangeness of life um, just because of that. Uh, yeah, I would say that I am. I think that recently I've been... I've told you this on the phone off the show, but I've been much more subject to synchronicities that have happened, uh, you know, sort of out of nowhere. I have definitely felt like there are more messages out there. Um, the dream world has been much more solid and um, uh, continuing from one night to the next. You know, it's it's almost like when I begin to dream. That's again. interesting. Yeah, when I begin to dream, it's like, it's one of those kind of like you know previously in David's dreams, this this this, and then you know we <laughs> we kind of continue on, and so it becomes this very strange thing because you know normally dreams are so random that you forget them when you wake up, but there's a an intensity of dreams that can happen where you know you're in the dream world is so real and it's so sustained over a period of a week or two that it begins to feel like a second life in interestingly enough to our our conversation there and you know you do start to think to yourself you know okay this world feels more more solid there's a bit more of a logic that i'm used to um but the dream world isn't quite it isn't quite dreamy anymore it's it's got a little bit of teeth to it so i've definitely been experiencing phenomena like that Okay. Okay. Well, you know, Dunn said, uh, and I, I, I think this is a really interesting idea that 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 young men maybe should really check out um, that the vulnerability of fathers, um, and first fathers actually is is what he w was talking about, because um, we understand how vulnerable the mother figure is i mean she's carrying the baby she's you know at odds with this physical presence moment to moment mm -hmm. um and she's got to perform actually in the end mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's a performance act uh to deliver a baby i mean to deliver a baby what a thing you know right what a what an artistic triumph um that achievement is but i think we kind of overlook that the dads who are going i'm haunted right <laughs> i'm haunted you know and and this is a, almost you know it, it's it's the starting point of a mysterious double kind of thing of yeah you've you've seen the child on on the you know the ultrasound and and you have an idea you know mm -hmm. intellectually about what what you've got coming forward but you're really just projecting you know mm -hmm. it's not real i mean you you don't actually know that young man right you know right you think you know that young man you've given him a name mm -hmm. um but i think what dunn did you know a long time ago way before ultrasound was talk about the the haunting of a presence mm. um, 
that I don't know. I think that re- that really moves me. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, I've been with two women who miscarried, and um, it was it was diabolical. Yeah. You know, it was really it was really um, it was difficult be, in a way that can't really be talked about, and yet it's the most natural. You know. Older women go, yeah, well, you know, that's just happens, you know, it mm-hmm. just, yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't happen to me, <laughs> doesn't happen in my family, you know. Um, so it, it, it's a real moment there of, of this, this strangeness of projected being. And I think that's where the doppelganger idea really begins it's it's a projected idea Hmm. you know Hmm. yeah that's really interesting well it's so dunn saw his wife's double at that moment which is very intriguing to me because it feels like at that point you wonder if the double is some sort of uh almost astral projection of of a spirit or something like that or if that's not a symbol of a, of a part of a person that uh, has maybe been... We talked about the idea of tulpas last episode and how mm-hmm. thought forms can come into being according to this mystical practice uh, and sort of walk amongst the rest of us. Um, and I wonder if there wasn't so much, so much pain there, uh, psychical pain, that um all of that got placed into a sort of disembodied being right that was kind of expelled i wonder if that i wonder if that wasn't just an unconscious process on on her part right that that had to get up and and walk out of her body well let's explore that idea i mean being in a body yeah is a difficult thing Right, you know, mm-hmm. it really is. It, it, it's. Um, I, I said last time, you know, uh, looking at my MRI brain scans, I thought that poor brain looks like it's in a witness protection program. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, it's just like I, I, I want to help my brain get out of my my skull. You know, uh-huh. um, and I think that. What if what if this is really what we're always doing? That 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 John Donne's wife, in a moment of crisis, and and I think that 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 pregnancy and and giving birth, and knowing about the biological sort of you know shape that she was in, mm-hmm. um, maybe she was astrally projecting. I mean. I hate that that idea. People say astral projection. This just sounds like nonsense, doesn't it? Yeah. But but why? Why is that nonsense? I mean, isn't that really just exactly what we all do? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that what you and I are doing right now right. through technology? We're we're astrally you know projecting. Right. Um, you're in Oklahoma. I'm in Las Vegas. I mean. I don't think that sounds all that crazy, you know? It doesn't, but it's one of those things that's completely impossible to test. This goes back to our, you know, our talk about, oh, about okay. science and right. all that kind of thing. It's it's one of those things where if you can't test it, people sort of dismiss it out of hand. And I think that um, 
people like you and me are more willing to give these sort of Fordian ideas a bit more time than other people are because I've been in experiences, particularly hallucinogenic experiences, where you you can scientifically maybe measure what's going on in my brain, but there's no scientific explanation for the spookiness that happens, right? Uh, for the for the subjective strange things, and you know, I'm also a person who's seen ghosts, and you know, who's had it, pretty intense synchronicities happen, things that have a point zero 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 one chance of of happening by coincidence, right? And you, it's the easiest thing in the world to explain those things away until they actually happen to you, and then you think, hmm something more going on so it's it's basically i think it's just good manners to extend people the same courtesy that i extend to myself w- with the things that i've been through in my life right and think you know well maybe they did see this ghost right or not even maybe but i think that there's a an intense value in taking all truths as truth uh meeting people on their own playing field so to speak and then uh and then working through that but um, yeah, no, the Dunn instance is is very interesting to me, and I almost I wonder, you know, if if that's not some kind of ghost appearance in and of itself, right? Like maybe that's something that was seen that was uh, you know, interpreted by his brain as his wife's double, uh, but was you know maybe the spirit of the child or something like that. But um, but no, that's it. It is a fascinating sort of introduction to this discussion about the double. Well, let's just work on this algorithmic, uh, you know, new age. Everyone's uh, a computer whiz kid, uh, big data sort of person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and and let's do big data. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let, let's look at the number of times this issue repeats through history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, because it's not uncommon. I mean, we've got some of the major figures uh, of, of all of, of literature um, who have been on board with this very strange idea of, of ghostly doubles and seeing themselves and seeing something that just couldn't be there. Let's talk about Shelley. Who um, Shelley's not a poet that I actually really um, have a great deal uh, of interest in. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a Wordsworth guy, you know, uh-huh. and a, and a Coleridge guy. I'm a Coleridge guy. Um, you know, one of, on the subject of Coleridge, um, one of his great lines from the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Uh, which I think I want might want to have on my grave if anyone would buy me a grave, um, and I don't think they will. Mm-hmm. But his line is: "It mingled strangely with my fears, but it felt like a welcoming." Mm. I mean, I wish I'd written that line. That's great. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but Shelley had an enormous uh, doppelganger experience just before drowning in Italy. And I, I don't know, has anyone, 
any of our listeners ever near drowned, I, I'm a really, really great swimmer. Um, like a, a great open ocean swimmer. And I, I've, but I have almost drowned on three occasions. And in all three occasions, a woman that I was intimate with saved me, which is a little bit difficult to deal with, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, a proud male, you know, it's like, and also how many people are that much better swimmers than I am, you know, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's weird, but Shelly had a, an incredible experience just before drowning. And I wonder, is that a, you know, we talked about the idea of the Vartiger, which is a projective premonitory spirit. Um, not not seeing just yourself. Uh, it's 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 a Norwegian word, but it, it's seeing some aspect of yourself or your life um, advanced beyond um, where you are in time. I mean, have you ever had that experience? I have not seen myself at any any given time. No. I wish I have. Well, that's yeah. That's, <laughs> I wish that's I had. Good. I wish I had better co uh, uh, content for the show, but I have not. I've seen. Uh, I have seen ghosts, but I have not seen myself. Which, um, you know, according to some people, that's a really good thing because seeing yourself can be quite a bad omen. Um, but uh, so what happened with Shelley here? He was drowning, and and he saw his apparition where. He saw his he saw the apparition, you know, before the event. Oh, okay. And and and, and yet he couldn't, um, he couldn't change the circumstances. Um, and I think that's one thing that I mean, I think that we all have had those moments of just, you know, well, I walked into that, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we we've all had that moment, you know. Oh, it's totally. just like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just it. It's the it's the degree of seriousness mm -hmm. that that that's involved. Um, but but looking, you know, looking through, you know, the history of Byron, Hoffman, um, Dostoevsky, of course, the double. I mean, he he wrote a book called The Double. You know, mm -hmm. um, Poe, uh, William Wilson. Um, there's this strange fixation on meeting yourself. And I think to, to, to connect back with what we did in our, our, our first show on this topic is to say that people and in, in culture-wide around the world, um, around the world, I think that's really important to, to make that point. Um, have had an idea about doubleness being a good thing, a strong thing, that two people are an army kind of idea, That's that inner consciousness of the voices in our head being strong, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and being allies, you know, a secret ally. That, that's what the, uh, my New Guinea friend was talking about. We're either going to kill ourselves or we're going to help each other get home. Right. You know? Right. I, I think that's really like a truth. Um, 
but it, it, it there's the scariness about the doubleness. Two of my favorite works um, that focus on this theme, and I I, I, I think um, one of my favorite poets, uh, which some people don't like, uh, Sylvia Plath, um, mm -hmm. wrote about this as her graduate honors thesis. Um, and I really th think it's still a very fine work. She was, she was just a young woman, you know? She was like one of my students. Right. Uh, yeah, but she wrote about The Secret Sharer by Joseph Conrad, which I think that's a, one of his finest works. It's a long story uh, for people who haven't read it, but it's not a novella in the sense of Heart of Darkness uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, mm -hmm. some of his other works. Um, but it's, it's a story about a man who has his first command of a ship mm -hmm. and takes on board a stowaway who is really his spirit double. Um, and this spirit double helps him deal with his crew's issues. Mm. And he is the he is the ally. He is the sole ally. He's the hermetic, uh, you know, Hermes, you know, messenger between the worlds sense of 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 help for our captain. Mm. And it's just, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever read in my life because I don't know, I, I've been alone with, with, with difficult people that I was trying to convince that I was cool and uh, I needed some spirit help. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I needed some spirit help. I wanted some guidance. I wanted some God, you know, G O D, lowercase, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, I think it's a beautiful story about that. But but the the story that really just I think we no one can get past in Western culture is Robert Louis Stevenson's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, I just don't think you, you can get past that. Yeah, um, yeah, and it really it really is is juxtaposed with the Secret Share nicely, I think. So this is the two sides of the coin to the doppelganger. On the one hand, you have the helper who is sort of, if you think of the ship as a person's mind, perhaps, you know, that's helping clear out the cobwebs and get everything in order. Um, and then you have the the one that's sort of more like uh, the double that comes out when you, I don't know, like get hammered or something. You know what I mean? Like it's the, it's, right, it's, the, right. it's the raging... Uh, you know, uh, monster that 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 people have in them, right? And we've kind of, it's it's very interesting when you think about modern society too. I was thinking about this when I was thinking about Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. So, within the context of Stevenson's story, uh, Mister Hyde is very clearly supposed to be this this kind of frightening thing, right? And if you think about the modern American mythology, which is, wait for it. Marvel's Avengers, 
right? This is what the most people watch. This is what most people are into. You have the character of the Incredible Hulk. So the Incredible Hulk is a mild-mannered scientist by day, but if you make him angry, he turns into this big uh, green monster that is very strong, right? Um, And it's interesting in the context of these films being American imperial propaganda that that his rage his 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 mr hyde is actually sort of reined in by the forces of good so he's this you know 500 ton battering ram that you can push anywhere when you piss him off right when you make him mad you just point the hulk in a direction and he smashes but but that rage rather than being a monster that's something to be afraid of well it's actually a good thing because he's on the good guy's side. We're the ones with the weapons, right? So long as he's in our oh, so long okay. as he's in our employ. So the shift that gets made, and as with any other type of propaganda, when it trickles down to the American uh, people, I wonder what this does to the psyche, right? Of of you know, of no longer treating <laughs> no longer treating your double as either a, a beneficent helper or uh, you know, an uncaged monster, but as an uncaged monster that's actually good, right? That has to have some kind of effect, don't you think? I think you're my favorite psychotic. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, look, I think what you just said was really, really interesting, and I hope people really, you know, pay attention to it. Um because it, it, it gets to the heart of an entire popular culture, um, disease, problem, uh, configuration uh, of, of symbolism and storytelling that has been with us uh, really the last, um, I don't know, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really difficult, interesting idea but it's also was very, very well expressed. Thanks. Um, so what does it mean? I mean, because I always think that, you know, I, I love the Incredible Hulk. I, you know, David Banner, you know, must believe, you know, that must make the world believe that he is dead, you know, mm-hmm. until he finds the way to quell the raging spirit that dwells within him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I, 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 and and I mean, really, the actor playing that, who I grew up with as being just such a nice guy, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mister Nice Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a real, real change mm-hmm. to see him break into this Lou Ferragamo sort of like, you know, ugly green thing, yeah. Um, well, you said something really interesting there. So you you said that his name is is David Banner, and I encourage people to check out David Banner. Um, so in the in the in the comics, it's it's Bruce it's, David Banner. Yeah, it's but David Banner uh, is a is a uh, hip hop artist from uh, Mississippi who's known for the hit uh, "Like a Pimp," which if you have if you were my age in two thousand and five and you were going out to bars, you heard "Like a Pimp" all the time. So. Thank you for reminding me of that because I'm definitely going down that that memory hole here soon. As soon as we get off this call, <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, no. So basically, um, 
the the idea of 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 Lou being uh you know this sort of nice guy and you know there's there's a scene in Arnold the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary that I cannot I can't recall the name of I'll have to look it up um but there's you know him and Lou were were constant competitors and also friends and you know of course Arnold always came out on top in everything right he kept winning Mr Olympia um so it's and there's a scene in this documentary where uh, Arnold is telling Lou's uh, parents very matter-of-factly while he'll always be why he will always be number two and Arnold will always be number one in a very Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of way. Just sort of like maybe in his mind it was it was funny, but it comes off as very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting too because he went on to play the the Incredible Hulk, and it's interesting that he's always played this kind of double. Uh, to to Arnold, right? Like this kind of second fiddle, um, where when you have someone who's constantly sort of winning, you you seem to need to have this double that's always falling just short, but keeping but he keeps him close, right? He doesn't push him away; it's still his friend. But um, but I think that on the topic of you know the Incredible Hulk and Doctor Jekyll and and Mister Hyde and and the differences between the two, I think that you know reckoning with a monster that's inside of you is is very very important and it reflects a a psyche and and a mind that is looking for ways to grow right that's basically saying when i become this monster it's not a good thing and i need to find out a way to deal with that to sort of elevate to a higher self and i think that you can see this sort of uh, christopher lashian culture of narcissism where the incredible hulk would just play a whole lot better, you know? Um, a society that says, you know, you're perfect just the way you are. You don't need to change anything. That that rage that's inside of you, all you got to do is uh, find people who will pay you to be really mad and smash things, and you're good. You're golden. So I think that that is interesting that it represents a kind of change in how uh, how we view the, the inner world, right? Because the double... The double seems to me to be, you know, in in these literary terms, to be representing uh, the things that we are not that we're that we're not quite uh, reckoning with, or that we would rather push away. Um, I'm stuck on the tulpa idea that if you push something away hard enough, it manifests as a literal living creature in your life, right? And maybe that creature doesn't even know that that's what it's there for, um, but. Basically, I think that we could do well to to reckon with things like the secret share or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and 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 stop sort of just like just pushing things down with more, you know, drugs and bad food and Netflix until until we create, um, you know, an etheric being that uh, that represents all the things that we'd rather not talk about. Well, I think that's, you know. That is the deal, you know. It, what comes back to haunt us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, what what is that? That expression is 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 in itself very strange. How can it come back to haunt us? Mm-hmm. It, it's because we pushed it down. It's because we didn't deal with it. You know, it really. What what? There are a couple of things that you said that really <laughs> intrigue me. Um, uh, I think people who who've read my writing know, know that I was raped when I was nine years old, and um, mm-hmm. 
it was a, it was a, you know, well, what more can you say? Right. Um, and I, I, uh, but I, my answer back to that was like serious, like weightlifting and um, running and just constant sort of physical, you know, mm-hmm. performance athlete, you know, sort of energy. And, um, but, but I needed to make money too. And uh, one of the things that I did was I sold these Joe Wider um, weightlifting programs with Arnold Schwarzenegger on the cover of many of them. Yeah. And like how to make girls like you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was like a, a little like many years a little short of uh making girls like me i i I, yeah i wanted like my you know seventh grade girlfriend to sort of like me but i was like you know young right (laughs) and uh, it was a little bit early for the girlfriend thing Mm -hmm. um but i i've got actually like one of uh, uh one of his uh, things with me in my file cabinet right now. Mm-hmm. It's really quite bizarre. Um, so I think that, that what's, what goes around here comes around, as they say, that we, we need to find a way of dealing with some of the bad things in ourselves because one of the things that happened to me, um, which I live still, mm-hmm. um, I live all you know yeah. pretty regularly actually. Um, I had a chance to uh, to kill uh, the man who attacked me, um, and I I you know I decided that I'm not a murderer. <laughs> You know, I had to. I had to decide that everyone needs to decide that moment hmm. uh, in themselves. And I'm not saying people who who are murderers are bad people because I've known some murderers that that I think are good people. Mm-hmm. And I, I I'm I'm not judging. You know, yeah. I'm really not judging. Um, you you. Um, you take the shot. You you do the thing that you need to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, I got no problem with people who, who protect themselves at all. Um, but in that moment, I just didn't feel that was the thing for me to do. Right. Um, you know, I didn't want to smash a boulder on down on someone's head. You know, mm-hmm. I, I. Although, you know, maybe that wasn't a good call um, because that guy went on to kill two other young you know, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I live with that. Right. So my point is that I think that managing that double sense, you know, that that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I mean, Mr. Hyde, we don't really like to deal with the fact that we have a Mr. Hyde on board. Mm -hmm. I I don't like to deal with that. I mean, it's a really scary thing to be in an airplane alone mm. and and to think oh who else is on board here mm. you know mm. mm-hmm. it, that's a very scary idea yeah um you know it 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 
it makes you really rethink the whole deal. But I think, isn't that what, what all of, of humanity, certainly Western civilization is about, is this doubleness that this strange ghostly figure that haunts us. Mm. Mm-hmm. I do. And I think that it has something also to do with, um, I'm thinking about how to connect it. I had it for a second there. Let's see if I can find it again. I was thinking about how, you know, these sort of trauma events and and the double sort of play together. So I was actually, I was thinking about uh, Dunn's event, right? And seeing seeing his wife's double. And it makes me wonder if the, um, you get into these, Eric Wargo wrote a, bo- a book called Time Loops. And it's all a, mm. it's all about this this idea of of retro causation, right? Of a thing that happened uh, in the future affecting a thing that happens in the past, right? Um, and it makes me reconsider the the done instance of the doppelganger of his wife, right? Um, of perhaps that that kind of being his wife, perhaps maybe from the past right uh projecting to see that moment in the future and perhaps seeing that moment in the future causing not 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 i know that this isn't how it works biologically and i i really don't mean to to be insensitive about this kind of thing but perhaps that's somehow being uh an omen for the past for that for that moment right like he's kind of you know seeing in that instant the thing that would go back to 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 cause the the um the tragedy essentially to happen. You see what I mean? I, I think that I think that where we're going with this, uh, with people like Goethe and stuff like that, has to do more with time. And I, I I can't help but think that perhaps that has something to do with doubleness as well, like a like a wobble in time or a loop in time or something like that. Well, let let let's talk about time because I think this is the, really a crucial element. Um, you know, it, this is where the doppelganger that you see in the moment diverges from the vartiger, which is some sort of future projection. Um, and it gets to what I think we're going to be talking about in our next episode about non-locality. I mean, non-locality in space and time um, is actually scientific, <laughs> you know, Um it really is. I mean, we've got some really good, you know, we, we don't have to apologize for this stuff anymore. You know, uh, we've got some really bright people on our side on, on this front. Um, because there is not necessarily a clear program of space and time. You know, it, it really isn't that, it, it just isn't that clear. It, it could be a break, you know, in major ways that, that would explain a great deal. It would explain a lot about synchronicity. It would, it would explain deja vu. It would explain um, all sorts of, of personal, constantly recorded, constantly recorded psychological experiences. I mean, you, you just can't ignore endless folkloric psychological experiences. I don't believe you can do that. I really, you know. 
I don't think you can either. I think that this is this is something that you know we th- again in our sort of when thinking about the double, you know, we if if we were coming at this from the material sort of scientific hat that said, well, I would like to see your laboratory evidence for there being a double, right? I would like to see this repeatable in a double-blind study. Um, well, that's that's completely impossible to do, right? It's the same thing with ghosts when people go on ghost hunts and and mysteriously they they sort of never find them. It makes you think, well, perhaps the condition of a ghost showing up is that there's nothing there to to document it, right? Like what if it's a backward kind of thing? But then when you look, like you said, at the at the mountain of stories and evidence by the way, not fiction that people are writing, that people are talking about their actual experience throughout the ages. You have to wonder, you know, okay, so are all these people, some of whom have, had never experienced this thing before, are they all making it up, right? Are they all, you know, just trying to get a good st- story for, for what? For, to what end? You know, most people think that you're crazy anyway when you tell them a story like this. Like, very few people, if you were to tell them a story of perhaps, you know, seeing your double or something like that, uh, maybe people that you and I hang out with would be have time for that. But most would be like, OK, that's nonsense and you're crazy and we're not going to have this discussion, you know. So you have to go back in time and you have to think about, OK, what is the what's the motive for telling these stories? There is no motive. There is no there is no profit right. profit to it. Um, and why does it repeat I love how you do that. I love how you do that. Mm. You, you know, you you're a natural prosecutor. Mm. <laughs> I know you don't think of yourself as like a you know anyone in the criminal justice system, but but you you think like a good prosecutor. That's so funny. That's what my sister's in school for. So you know maybe it runs in the family. Um, but uh, but no, I I I do think that uh, there is value in looking at these stories that people have told and also there is value in tweaking the way that your mind works a bit because i think that people are afraid that if they believe in one thing that the floodgates will be open and they'll soon descend into madness but you won't (laughs) i promise you'll be safe uh (laughs) and your world really kind of opens up and things start to make sense in a way that they didn't before well you know i I, i'm sorry about those people who worry about the floodgates Mm -hmm. opening you know Mm -hmm. it's like well maybe open some floodgates and you'll be better off yeah you know yeah yeah maybe those floodgates Um, are need to be opened you know, maybe you're, maybe you would do well to do that. But yeah, Goethe essentially, like to talk about the non-locality and the time thing, he essentially saw his doppelganger while uh, on horseback uh, along a path. Yeah. And then I believe eight years later, he was riding back down that path. I think it was his the path from his house into town. And he realized that he was in the exact spot where his double had been wearing the the same clothes that he'd seen himself in. And this uh, spooked him very much. So to my mind, it feels like I would love to to unify these things because we have we have double as helper. 
double as evil twin and double as a time loop projection of of yourself do you think that there's a way that we can pull these threads together yeah i do i i think there is a i think there is a good way um i don't think there is a good way culturally because i think that the problem with our culture and i mean western culture is is that we're uh schismatic and and deeply messed up uh, you know about these issues but i think individually and, and individually psychologically we can find a holistic uh program um back to to truth um and i think it starts with acceptance of doubleness um that 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 you that's just an inherent idea of consciousness Mm -hmm. i mean we have this idea of i mean the voice in our heads when we read whose voice is that exactly that's Mm -hmm. a very very weird idea yeah that's a haunted ghostly you know it it disturbs me I mean, doesn't disturb you. Yeah, it's very disturbing. You know, it reminds me of a quote from a guy named Connor Habib who said that our our heads are meeting places for spirits and our thoughts are their voices. Um, And what you're saying to me makes me think of the famous Terrence McKenna quote where he says, it's all in your head, but the problem is, is that you have no idea how big your head actually is, Right. Yeah, so if you yeah. if you think of these three things, uh, you know the double as helper, uh, that is that's that's an aspect of mind. Um, the double as you know evil twin, also an aspect of mind. But then time is an aspect of mind as well, right? So if you think of your head as this big thing, as if, if you think of you know we use the word consciousness, but if you think of the word mind as this expanded field, um where you know there are material things that you can look at and touch but it's not it's not hard to imagine that in a moment of of distress a moment of needing help a moment of you know needing to confront your evil twin or you know a moment of perhaps some kind of mind induced time slip you could see a physical manifestation of yourself of of your double Right, I mean, stranger things have happened, I suppose. Well, you know, here is a little bit of a roundup. Um, you know, I mentioned that that um, you know, I, I, despite being a, a really fine swimmer, um, I, I've had some moments of near drowning in my life, mm-hmm. in some really interesting, colorful places in the world, like the you know, the Bismarck Sea, which. Um, if you haven't been there, I, I recommend it. Um, and off the coast of Baja, you know, I mean that. I mean, if you're gonna drown anywhere, I would just really say, <laughs> think about drowning off the coast of Baja. Yeah, you could you, you know? could do worse, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you really really could. And, and and if a beautiful Latina comes and saves you, oh bonus! Um, yeah, well that's exactly right. That's exactly what I said, um, and I I'm I, I remain very grateful, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, 
But I think what, you know, the deal is something that, that uh, I, I heard a long time ago. John Lilly, um, who inspired me to uh, do my uh, sensory deprivation tank work, you know, I mean, he really was a, a pioneer of that. I think he invented the sensory he did deprivation indeed. tank. Yeah, he did indeed. He said something that I that still really gets me. This is, it's almost like it's it's as good as something that you'd say. Hmm. He said that people aren't really afraid of dying; they're afraid of going insane. Hmm. You know, so and true. I thought so true. I I have thought about that ever since. It's just like, yeah, when I was in the tanks. Um, I didn't, you know, I, how do you drown in the sensory deprivation? You know, I, I wasn't going to drown there. Mm -hmm. I, you know, that that wasn't the thing. I would have drowned, in, you know, in the, the Bismarck Sea or, or off Baja, you know. But I wasn't going to drown in a, in a sensory deprivation tank. But I did feel the fear. Mm -hmm. I felt the fear of going insane. And I thought... What do I mean by that? Mm -hmm. What do what do I mean by that fear? And it was because of the double, mm. you know. It was because of some spirit creature living in my head, mm -hmm. um, who wasn't me, who is me, you know, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, man. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. This is very interesting from my perspective as a person who has. Uh, acute obsessive compulsive disorder which is not uh it's not like it's portrayed in the movies where you know i wash my hands a bunch of times or something like that but what it's uh essentially is is it's this anxiety disorder but it's um it's catastrophic thinking but none of that really does justice to what it's like to sort of be inside my head at any given time right i essentially walk around feeling as though i'm carrying my double with me at all times right and it's it's a voice so o ocd at its most acute is uh chemically at least related to schizophrenia right um mm -hmm. and so i basically hear a voice almost at, at all at all times of a day that is telling me that um you know this is going to happen or this is going to happen uh but more than that it's uh <clears throat> it's an overwhelming feeling Right, it's an over overwhelming feeling of, of of looming, looming disaster, which can be alleviated if I perform uh, the tasks that the thing wants me to do. Now I've figured out how to deal with it, which is to uh, dive fully into uh, insanity. Right now, this is not medical advice, so don't listen to me at all. Um, but please do finish finish listening to the podcast. But I found that the, the only thing that works, the thing that works with, with my double is to, you, you can't ignore it because the voice will get louder and you can't listen to it because the voice will become more controlling. But what you can do is you, mm. can, you can listen to it and then say, look, man, I see where you're coming from, but, uh, but I got to eat some lunch. So... <laughs> can we can we talk about this later at some other time? And 
you know, your mileage may vary on that. I mean, I have good days and I have bad days, but, um, you know, by the grace of God, knock on wood, I haven't had to have any sort of, uh, medication for it. And, um, you know, at its, at its worst, I, uh, I seriously have, have considered it, but, you know, most of the therapists that I've, you know, seen online about it are just basically like, stop trying to get rid of it and just, you know, accept it. And maybe that's the way to think of your, your particular double in general. You know, a lot of people have obsessive compulsive fantasies about, you know, the worst possible thing that they could do. Right. So you're standing on a bridge next to, you know, an elderly woman and you feel com- like there's just a voice that's like, you know, push her, push her off. And, mm-hmm. and you hate that and you want it to be gone. So, you know, it's like, well, if you're not going to push her off, then, you know, perform X, Y, Z ritual to, to, you know, to not push her off as though the option doesn't exist to simply not push her off, which is that third thing that you have to do. Sorry if that sounds like a bunch of word salad, but it really clicked for me in that moment. And I think that this podcast has become uh, more relevant to me than I realized when we started it last week. Well, you know, it, it, like think about the, um, the uh, line that my friend in the jungle in, in New Guinea uh, said, you know, we're either going to kill ourselves or we're going to help each other get back home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the essence of all human drama. I mean, we really are going to kill ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're either going to like make more creatures, you know, mm-hmm. if if there's a male female thing happening, um, or we're going to kill each other, or or we're going to get back home, you know. Yeah, and, I, what, and what I love so much about that too is the choice of words there, because realize that he doesn't say we're going to kill each other, right? He says we're going to kill ourselves, right? So it mo- yeah. it moves from a sounding almost like suicide to, uh, and then when he says, or we can help each other, that's when the split happens and when the, the sort of like the double becomes helpful, right? So it's, it's you know, helping help is, is what creates distance. Making friends with the double creates this arm's length camaraderie that allows you to get out of the jungle, both of you alive. But if you don't, it almost feels like I'm seeing in my head you're attached at the hip and you sort of like you put one bullet through both brains, essentially. But it's it's right, it's, it's, right. it's a fascinating it's a fascinating little little bit of language there. Well, I think that is exactly well read, and I, I, I think that's well heard. Um because that that is that was my take too. And I think that is kind of where we're at with this strange sense of doubleness that that exists within human consciousness, that we either make a kind of peace with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and God, I mean, it's 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 not easy to do. And it's not like you can make a peace with it once. Nope. you know nope. it, it, it might it might be a constant sort of thing. but on the other hand, I think that you can't ignore the fact that this has been a, a constant theme across literature. I mean, Brett Easton Ellis and Donald Duck and, and Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. the, the Return, 
I mean, it's just a constant theme of of the double getting strange. Um, I mean, that didn't just come out of nowhere, right. you know. Right. Um, it it didn't just come out of nowhere. Uh, not not. I mean, it, we could we could actually put forward thirty or forty more uh, major literary examples of. Uh, the strangeness of the double. Um, I don't think that's like a coincidence, you know, and I don't think you believe in coincidences as I don't either. No, no, I don't either. I I think that um, coincidences is like when a coincidence happens, you're just not listening hard enough. That's all there is to it. I mean, you're not, you're not tuned in, but I think that, I think that's good for today. I think that part three, we're going to, as you said, discuss uh, non-locality. We're going to have some fun uh, back and forth, some fun stories. This is a subject that um, really interests me. So I'll, I'll have a lot of uh, fun things to talk about there. And of course, as always, you will too. Um, is there anything that you'd like to touch on before we put this one to bed? No, I think this is a good, good stopping point now. Um, I think that what we'll look at um, next time is is some of the psychology of doubleness, mm-hmm. um, which inherently will mean some talk about schizophrenia, mm-hmm. which is a kind of weird creation of, of the modern world. Um, I mean, there are some people who would never go, I understand that idea. You know, right. it, it, it's a really strange very mechanistic idea that has been put forward um, that we just accept now um, because we believe we're following the science. Oh dear! Oh We've dear! Got to follow the science. That is a trigger for me. Now, now when I hear yeah. following the science, um, my alarm bells go off like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, we we've we've got to follow the science, David. All right, because we're 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 intelligent, <laughs> rational people, right? Right. If you say Aren't so. Aren't you an intelligent, rational people? You know, you really we you've got to follow the science. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah, really. <laughs> all right, Chris. So we got some good things to go to to the next episode because. Um, and I think we can wind things up in a way that, that will make things understandable. Um, I would like to say in closing that anthropology, which I think is the most uh, diverse and far-reaching social science uh, that there can possibly be, yes. is now the worst attended uh, undergraduate and graduate program in, in America. Mm, um, mm, mm. And I'm, I'm really sad about that because I, I think that, you know, people like David and myself are, are very interested in anthropology. Um, and we want to bring the study of culture, human culture, human culture, people uh, around the world across time. I mean, really, what, what, is there anything more important? I'm not really sure about that, mm-hmm. um, but we're going to try to bring it back. We're going to we're we're trying to bring back animus magic and an idea of science in a 
in an intuitive humanist sense, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a good mission statement. I'm on board with that 100%.